We're going to be back into Psalm 119 tonight, continuing our march through the 22 stanzas of Psalm 119. We'll be in verses 57 through 64 of the longest passage in all of the Bible. Psalm 119, verses 57 to 64, that can be found on page 608 in the Pew Bibles. The uh, Hebrew uh, letter hate, looks like hath maybe to you, or het maybe is how you pronounce that, I guess, not hate, het, uh, is uh, the eighth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and uh, we've explained this a few times in our study of the psalm, but each stanza uh, begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So all eight verses in stanza one begin with the Aleph, uh, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and all eight verses in the second stanza begin with Beit, or Beth, it looks like in your Bible. That's the second letter, and it just kind of works that way through um, throughout the psalm. And so there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 stanzas in Psalm 119. In the Hebrew, uh, each of these eight verses, 57 to 64, begins with the Hebrew letter Het, uh, again, does not translate into English, so uh, we don't see that in our translations. But that's the logic uh, and the order behind Psalm 119, and that's the reason for those funny words throughout Psalm 119. So Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Before we work through this together, let's go to God in prayer. Our Lord and our God, it is a great privilege to sit together beneath your word, to hear together what you have to say to us Lord, we thank You for the freedom uh, that we have to do this. We thank You for the building uh, we have to do this in. Uh, And Lord, You have just, you You have given us much. You have made the conditions ripe for us to hear from You. And so, Lord, we pray that You would help us not to take these conditions for granted. We pray that You would help us not to squander them, but we pray that You would help us, Father, to, to, in the midst of our comfort and freedom, to hear You. For Jesus' sake, amen. Brothers and sisters, where can God be found? Where can God be found? A pantheist would say that God can be found in the universe, and that really God is indistinguishable from the universe. It's out of this sort of mindset that we have things like, you know, Mother Earth and and sort of this idea that the earth is in itself divine. An atheist would say that God can be found in your mind and absolutely nowhere else. 
A mystic, or even a Pentecostal, would say, God can be found in my heart. A humanist would say that God can be found in humanity. A skeptic would say that God, God can't be found. Of course, as Christians, we believe that God, God most certainly can be found. Uh, we agree right, with the Apostle Paul, uh, who said to the people of Athens in Acts 17, right, God not only exists and can be found, God is actually not far from any one of us. That's what we believe. We agree with Paul. So where can God be found? Well, in this eighth section of Psalm 119, the psalmist tells us exactly where God can be found. God can be found in His Word. I want us to consider this, oh, excuse me, that, that's the point the psalmist is making in these uh, last, or these verses of this eighth section. Look at verse 57. Verse 57, the psalmist says, the Lord is my portion, I promise to keep your words. That word portion uh, is a significant one in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Joshua. Uh, when Israel comes into the promised land, the book of Joshua tells us that each tribe received a portion of the land as their inheritance from the Lord. Of course, you might remember that there was one tribe uh, that did not receive a portion of the land as their inheritance. I always felt bad for them when I was younger. In the end, I think they probably got the better end of the deal. Uh, but it was the Levites. The Levites didn't receive a portion of the land as the other tribes did. And the reason the Levites didn't receive a portion of the land is because the Lord was their portion. And the psalmist here, in the first verse of this eighth section, when he says, the Lord is my portion, uh, he is saying that, that like, he's like the Levites. Right? The Lord is his portion. That means, that means the Lord is the one who satisfies the deepest longings of his soul. The Lord is the one in whom he finds contentment and joy. And in having the Lord, then, he's saying he needs absolutely nothing else. Now, make no mistake, there is no greater blessing that any one of us could have in this life than to be able to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my portion. But notice what the psalmist says in the last half of verse 57. He says, I promise to keep your word. And the point he's making there is that it's through God's word that he knows God in this all-satisfying way. But it's, 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 it's through God's Word that he is able to say, the Lord is my portion, right? It's, it's those who, who keep God's Word, as the psalmist vows to do here, who, who can say that in having the Lord, I need absolutely nothing else. Okay, no one will say that. No one will confess, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is everything to me. No one will say that apart from God's Word, because it's in and through God's Word that we find God, and that we know God, and that we take hold of God and enjoy the blessings and benefits of God for ourselves. Now, in verses 58 through 63, the psalmist tells us how he has not only found God in His Word, but how he has come to profess that the Lord is His portion through the Word. 
And the first way, he says, is by entreating God's favor with all his heart. Uh, You can see this in in verse 58. The NIV translates this verse, I have sought your face with all my heart. That's really the idea here, right? The psalmist declares, right, that, that he has essentially gone looking for the Lord. He has in his heart a desire to know God more deeply and fully and personally, and that desire, it causes him to entreat God's favor. It causes him to seek God's face. It causes him to spend time reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word, trying to understand God's Word. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's what the psalmist says he's doing. He is seeking the Lord with all his heart. I entreat your favor with all my heart. One of my favorite things as uh, pastors, when I come across people who, who are just hungry for God's Word, right? And they, they love to be in church because they want to learn more about God's Word, and they're, they're looking to join Bible studies because they want to learn more about God's Word, and they'll, they'll ask me, Pastor, do you have any book recommendations that'll help me learn more about God's Word? And, right, that's one of my favorite things in the world, right? Sadly, I don't come across people like that as much as I wish I did, I'm not even like that as much as I wish I was. Why aren't all of us so hungry, right? Sometimes I ask my own self that question. And yet that hunger is what characterizes the psalmist here as he tells us how to find God in his word. He says, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. He understands that it's through the word he takes hold of God. He finds that deep satisfaction in God. But he does it as he seeks the Lord with all his heart. The second way he found God in His Word, is by turning His feet to God's testimonies. You see this in verse 59, right? When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Now, the Hebrew word for turn is is the word shuv. Uh, That's also an important word in the Old Testament. It carries with it the idea of repentance, and so what the psalmist is saying in verse 59 is that, is that as he looks at his life in light of God's Word, and as he sees where his life isn't necessarily in line with God's Word, he turns his feet back to God's Word. He turns his feet back to God's testimony. See, he brings his life back in line with God's Word and God's will. He repents ultimately. That's what he's saying here. When I consider my ways... I turn my feet to your testimonies. Of course, there's something implied in between when I consider my ways and when I turn my feet to your testimonies, and it's that (laughs) I'm out of your testimonies. I'm walking the wrong direction. When I consider my ways, they're not actually in line with your word. So I turn my feet to your testimonies. He's speaking there about repentance. And you can see how verse 59 follows nicely on the heels of verse 58. For we know that a person doesn't entreat the Lord's favor, a person doesn't seek the Lord's face, by disregarding the Lord's Word. No, a person seeks God's face uh, by, by living according to His Word. And that's what the psalmist does. He thinks on his way. He looks at his life. He sees where he has departed from God's Word. He sees where he's gotten off of God's path, and he turns his feet back to God's ways. He turns his feet and his life back to God's testimonies. I imagine many of us have had a similar experience. I, I find myself 
Man, when I was studying this week on that sermon I preached this morning, God and government, I kept, I had to like turn around like 1,800 times, right? Turn my feet back to God's ways because, uh, yeah, I had kind of gone my own way and was kind of doing my own thing. But, but right, I, I think about this in relationship to things like money or possessions. Sometimes I find myself, and I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I, I'm setting my heart on money and possessions, and I'm sort of living for money and possessions, and and. God's Word confronts me, and I realize, no, I need to turn away from these things, right? I need to remember that true and lasting treasure is only that which is laid up for me in heaven, right? And so, I, I have to turn my feet back to God's testimonies, and that's just, that's something all of us have to do often. And the psalmist says here, he, he, he does that. That's part of his taking hold of God and His Word. That's part of, him, part of him knowing the Lord as His portion, The third way the psalmist found God in His Word is by obeying the Lord's commandments. See this in verse 60, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. And the point is, once we we turn our feet back to God's testimonies, once we get back on God's path, we must make it our goal and ambition to keep walking on God's path and to keep walking in accordance with God's testimonies. The goal is not, once you get back on the path, the goal is not to find yourself off the path again. Now, we often do, right? Because as sinners, we're prone to wander, but that's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to stay on the path, and the psalmist here is saying that. I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. I I, I set my heart on moving down the path as quickly as possible in obedience to the Lord. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and show myself to him. That's what Jesus says, I will show myself to the one who has my commandments and keeps them. God is found. And God is known by those who have His Word and obey His Word and hasten after doing the things which are set forth in His Word. The fourth way the psalmist found God in His Word is by by remembering God's Word. You see this in verse 61, though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Last week, when we looked at the previous verses, we talked about how the writer of Psalm 119 uh, seems to be suffering at the hands of wicked men. And certainly, if we presume that the writer of Psalm 119 is David, well, we know there's no shortage of instances in David's life where he's suffering at the hands of wicked men. Um, And yet, in the midst of this, this suffering at the hands of these wicked men, the psalmist here now says what? I do not forget your law. Perhaps the worst thing that could happen to any of us at any point in our lives is to forget God's law, to forget God's Word. Deuteronomy 8 warns us about the danger of forgetting God's Word in the midst of prosperity. That's when it says, there it says, when you've eaten and are satisfied, right, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, laws, and decrees. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, it warns us about forgetting God in the midst of prosperity. There is another time when we are in danger of forgetting God and His Word, 
and it's in the midst of suffering and hardship. Right? In the midst of suffering and hardship too, we run the risk of forgetting God's laws. And the psalmist here, he vows that even in the midst of his hardship and suffering, he will not forget God's law. Right? So those who find God in His Word, they remember God's Word no matter what. They remember it in times of prosperity, but also in times of suffering and in times of want. Fifth, the psalmist, he found God in His Word, and he was able to say, the Lord is my portion by thanking God for His Word. You see this in verse 62. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. The psalmist here, he praises God for His Word. God's Word and God's law give him a reason in the night to offer praises and thanksgivings to God. Let me ask you, how much time do you spend thanking God for specifically His Word? We thank Him for all sorts of things, right? God, thank you for uh, my dog. I'm just thinking of my kids, right? Thank you for grandma and grandpa. Uh, thank you for my job. Um, I, was, I was remembering this week, you know, uh, at Thanksgiving, my grandmother since passed, and we don't really have a big extended family Thanksgiving uh, uh, as we did, you know, 20 years ago. But at Thanksgiving, my grandmother, she always made us go around the table and say what we were thankful for. And I was like, I just really want to eat pumpkin pie. Can we really not do this? Um, but between me and my parents and my cousins, my aunts and uncles, we said a lot of wonderful things that we were thankful for. But in all those years, with all those people, I don't recall anybody ever saying, you know what, I am thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the good laws that God has given us, by which He directs our lives and by which He shows us how to prosper and flourish in this world as we live in relationship with Him. I don't remember that ever happening. And yet the psalmist gets up in the middle of the night to do just that. The only thing that gets me up in the middle of the night is one of my kids having a nightmare or the raccoon trying to kill my chickens. Shot him right in the face. Good thing we're not recorded this tonight. The psalmist, he gets up in the middle of the night to praise God because of his righteous rules. I think sometimes we take God's Word for granted, don't we? For many of us, God's Word has just always been there. It's always been available. It's always been on the counter or the cabinet next to the table. And that's a gift. That's a good thing. But let's not lose sight of the, of the fact that God's Word is a, is a gift. God did not have to reveal Himself and His ways and His salvation to us. And yet He did reveal all of these things to us so that we might know Him, so that we might trust Him, so that we might be saved by Him, so that we might serve Him. God didn't have to do that. He, he could have let us just, you know what? I created a beautiful world for you. I told you not to eat from the tree. You ate from the tree. I am just going to check out, and you guys, you know, you can riot your way into oblivion if you'd like. He could have, but He didn't. He gave us His Word. He revealed His will, revealed His ways, revealed His salvation to us. It's a gift. It's a gift. 
And the psalmist understands that it's such a gift that he gets up in the middle of the night and he thanks God for the gift of his word. This is the life of one who, who has found God in his word. This is the life of one who can say, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is enough. I don't need anything else. Six, the psalmist found God by being a friend and companion to all those who followed God's precepts. The fact of the matter is, God's Word, it brings friendship and unity. Those who fear the Lord and keep His precepts find themselves having an affinity for and relationship with others who fear the Lord and keep His precepts. Of course, these people who God, by His grace, brings us into a relationship with, they too, they, they help us know God and enjoy God, don't they? Sometimes they do so by confronting us in our sin, right? Helping us to, to think on our ways and to turn our feet to God's testimonies, as it were. Sometimes they, they spur us on to love and good deeds. That is, sometimes they help us hasten and not delay to keep God's commandments. In difficult times, these people help us to remember God's Word and God's law. These people join us in praising God because of His righteous rules. They are a help and an aid in our knowing God and our finding fulfillment and satisfaction in God. I don't think anybody can say, the Lord is my portion, who doesn't know something of that affinity with the Lord's people. That's all part of knowing the Lord and, and serving the Lord and finding joy in the Lord. That's why it's important to be part of a community of believers because we need one another's help in knowing God through His Word. Finally, the psalmist, he found God by praying for a greater understanding of God's Word. You can see this in verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. The psalmist here at the end of this stanza, he's looking out at creation. And he's seeing how the Lord is so merciful. And he's seeing how the Lord is so good. And he's seeing how the Lord is so loving to all that he has made. Perhaps he's seeing how the Lord has clothed the lilies of the field. How he's fed the sparrow. And that inspires him to pray. For a greater understanding of God's Word. Essentially here he's saying at the end, Lord, you lavish your love on creation? Lavish it on me as well by giving me a greater understanding of your Word. Lord, you are exceedingly good and gracious towards all you have made. Be good and gracious to me as well in teaching me your statutes and for giving me a greater and deeper and fuller understanding of your truth. The psalmist found God by praying for a greater understanding of God's Word. James Boyce tells the story of Bruce Waltke. Bruce Waltke was uh, an Old Testament professor at Regent College in Vancouver, B.C. for many years. Uh, and some, some years ago, he wrote a book, Waltke did, in which he testifies to the importance of prayer and getting to know God through His Word. And Waltke explains that uh, in his early life, he read the Bible simply for academic merit. He was a professor, 
and professors read the Bible, and they, you know, write nice papers on the Bible. And that, that's how he read the Bible, for, for kind of just academic merit. And he says, when he read it this way, he got absolutely nothing out of it. And then one day, he heard a preacher say that it's necessary to ask for God's enlightenment when we come to God's Word. So, Walke said, I began praying, Lord, speak to me through your Word. Walke goes on to say that at first his reading seemed much the same, but soon it changed. And he writes this, within three weeks of praying that prayer as I read, my heart began to burn within me. I started to see new things in Scripture. God began revealing to me how His Word should change my life. I developed a love for His teaching. God heard my prayer and began working in me through His Word. The psalmist here is making a similar plea at the end of this eighth stanza. He's asking God to speak to him through His Word, to give him a greater, deeper, fuller understanding of His truth and of His ways. He says, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Your kindness is all around me. Show me some of that kindness by teaching me your statutes. So where can God be found? Well, God, God can be found in His Word. And He's, he's found by those who, who seek Him in His Word. He's found by those who turn their life back to His Word. He's found by those who walk in the way of His Word. He's found by those who remember the truths of His Word no matter what. He's found by those who practice being grateful for His Word and who befriend others who love His Word and who pray continually for a greater understanding of His Word. In the week ahead, may God help us be just these people as He continues renewing us into the image of Christ. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for how You reveal Yourself to us in Your Word. Lord God, we want to be people who can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my portion, and who understand that they can only say that because of Your Word and because they've come to know You in and through Your Word. And so, Father, we do pray that You would enable us to, to meet You in Your Word, to know You in Your Word, to come to Your Word, Lord, understanding um, that these aren't just words on a page, but this is, this is Your truth. It's the means through which Your Spirit works and through which Your grace and mercy and love is poured into our lives and our hearts. And so, Lord God, seeing Your beauty round about us in creation, we do pray with the psalmist to, that You would teach us Your statutes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand for the parting blessing, and then we'll sing our closing song together tonight. Dear friends, receive the parting blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. Our closing song is number 76. Number 76. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And we will sing...
Oh, let's do verses 1, 3, and 5. 1, 3, and 5. 